Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our month-long tribute to some questionable black films in a series that we like to call Mother May I Have Another. Oh, Lord, it's never going to end. And tonight, Vince (laughs) has selected for our reviewing purposes 1997's Steel, written and directed by... Kenneth Johnson and starring the one and only Shaquille O'Neal. But before we get into that, as always, we like to thank each and every one of you that uh, graces us with your feedback via email or on social media and in the Facebook fan group where we posted our review of last week's um, entry into Mother May I Have Another, 1993's Who's the Man? Who's the Man? Apparently it wasn't us, Vince. Because <laughs> boy, we jacked this up. Um, it's so terrible. From, what do you expect? From Markham Lee. <laughs> he says, um, I think Dr. Dre is still alive. <laughs> However, it is true that he has gone blind from diabetes. Right, right. Yeah, we were we were wrong. We were wrong about that. We yeah, we we're not trying to put nobody in the grave the man, early. The man is 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 quite alive. Right, right, right. So that is life. quite the correction. So we, we a happy correction. A very happy yes uh, correction. God bless you, Doctor Dre. <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> um. Damon Williams. Yes, yes, my brother. My says friend. Markham Lee, you beat me to it. Yes, yes, yes. I've yes. heard Vincent Lynn not like movies before, <laughs> but killing a man during an episode is unheard of. I will admit that I love Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, and I made it my business to watch them daily, especially when they do those really cool late night shows with performances. So it was a no-brainer that my friends and I piled into a car to go see Who's the Man. We knew what we were in for. It was throwaway foolishness then, it's throwaway foolishness now. But, again, Who's the Man brought me Biggie Small's first single, and for that I'm forever grateful for such an awful movie. You can't, you can't beat the soundtrack. Well, well, you know what? You know, Biggie Small's um, track Party and Bullish. Yes. And maybe um, The House of Pains. Oh, yeah. You know, Who's the Man? Yeah. Notwithstanding. I don't think the soundtrack is all that. I mean, it's not a bad soundtrack. It's not a bad soundtrack, but considering the pedigree right. behind, before the camera and and that MTV is a producer of this, which means that they could attract only the biggest and best of hip hop right for this soundtrack i would expect the soundtrack to be much better that's an interesting argument that i would buy because yeah. i would say on a scale of 1 to the juice soundtrack it's about a 7 you think it's a 7 it's about a 7 a yeah. six, i think this the soundtrack is a like i think it's, it's on the high podge. end i think it's on the high end of average which is what a 7 would be 
I don't know, man. Because uh, I think it's honestly is on a hodgepodge. Pull it up. I'm pulling up. I'm pulling Pull up, up the Who's the Man soundtrack. Let's go through the Who's the Man soundtrack. Well, let's go through it. All right. Uh, so we have Party and Bullish by uh, Biggie Smalls. Great song. Classic song, dare I say. Let's go through the motions by Jodeci. Oh well, I'm not a Jodeci man, so and, you and know, I think that's maybe I don't judge Jodeci. That's three dollar Jodeci. All right, I don't really do Jodeci, but go ahead. What's next on the menu? Pete Rock and CL Smooth. That's a good song. That's not a bad. Th- that's song. that's a nice song. That's not a bad song. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, you don't have to worry, Mary J. Blige. That's a nice song. That's a nice song, but does it add anything to the mute to the? No, no, no. We just talking about the soundtrack as an album. Like, obviously, none of it works with the film because okay. the film is terrible. Well, that's what I mean by a well, soundtrack. Well, no, well, no. Come on. I stop. mean, because you could look at the soundtrack to uh, what's that movie that um... Lethal Weapon Two? <laughs> no. What's the movie that they they praise? It's a white movie. They praise because it's got the uh, Motown soundtrack. Oh, the the Big Chill. The Big Chill. Yeah. You can look at that soundtrack. Soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack, but one, it can't help but be a great soundtrack because it's great Motown songs. Yes, and, but two, it's also a great soundtrack because the way that they infused it with the with the movie, whether or not you like it or not, it the songs do add a little bit of a commentary to the scenes that, in which they are played. That doesn't happen with this. I understand your argument, but I do think it gets to the point where the film is so bad. Okay. That the soundtrack takes on a life of its own so much that when people talk about the quality of it, mm-hmm. it goes without saying that you're not talking about it working the way you're talking about it. Okay, well, let's get Like, to- no one talks about Trouble Man and how it works with the film Trouble Man. That's true. Right. So, so as, as the soundtrack, the way I'm talking about, we're at an eight right now. Okay, all right. We're <clears> at an eight right now but with keep Mary going. J. Blige. Yeah. So then you've got Eric Sermon hitting switches. That's that's a solid song. It's okay, it's okay. Heavy D, Buju Bantan, Hotness. I never liked the Heavy D reggae period. Yeah, I don't... I okay, don't I know you that. a heavy dude. I'm a heavy dude, but that didn't... That doesn't fly with right, me. For me, that's the first real mix, if I recuse myself from Jodeci. Okay. House of Pain, Who's the Man? I like that track. It's a good song. Crystal uh, Johnson's Loving You. I think it was basically like a remake. Yeah, it was a remake. It's, it's, yeah, eh. it's disposable. Father MC, Pimp or Die. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Father MC was terrible. Please. <laughs> Father MC was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Father MC... Father MC used to crack me up. Like, just the very existence of yes. Father MC was yeah. hilarious to me. To me, too. You know who else used to crack me up? Because it was like that same thing, kind of like MC by committee. Like, let's build us an MC. It's like Father MC, he's kind of like Big Daddy Kane, but, like, we, like, put them together in a lab. MC Brains. You remember MC Brains? Oh, yeah. Bra- Brains is still totally, totally. <laughs> like, we can rebuild him. Yes, you remember MC totally, Brains? Yes. It's like they just found a good looking black kid and say, we're going to make you a rapper. Yes. Like, <laughs> like MC Brains and Father MC, they need to do a reality show. <laughs> All right. So Father MC is a big miss. Uh, Spark 950 with the Timbo King. Okay, Hello, I, it's me. Are you having a stroke? Well, you just said a whole bunch of words in a row. Exactly. Okay. All right. So, so the quality is dropping, and then you've got uh, Third Eye and Group Home with Ease Up. Third Eye and Group Home with Oh boy, boy, I go oh boy. It's, yeah. See, yeah. this you've dropped. This yeah. has dropped down easily to a six. I was about to say things aren't going well, <laughs> and that's it. Things aren't going well. <laughs> Who's the man? Soundtrack. That's it. 
So, is that the end of the soundtrack? It. Oh, that's yeah. I, yeah, I do. I think I might have to drop it down to a six. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, Mary J. is it's, it's a good song. But you don't need the soundtrack. It's straight from her album. Right, right. That's that was, what I'm saying. This was during that period where they tried to break artists on soundtracks. Yeah, well, they, Mary J. had broken. She yeah. didn't need. She didn't need. Remember Indiari? I think her first single was on the uh, Bamboozled soundtrack. Was it really? I believe that was Indiari's first single on the Bamboozled soundtrack. Well, if, so, we're, if we're wrong, we knew somebody will tell us. <laughs> hey, man, real time. This is a real time thing. True. Markham Lee also continued. He said, within the group, uh, uh, the crop of actors who appear on CBS Crime Procedurals. Okay. I think Shamar Moore is better than average. He was on Crystal. He was on Criminal Minds <laughs> for twelve quite, years or so. That's quite a qualifier, Markham. <laughs> yes. And was better than most on that show. <laughs> okay. Uh, the bra man is closing on fifteen years of those CBS checks quietly. I know that's right. His character on Criminal Minds was one of the more flushed out. I think he means fleshed out. Right. Uh, black men on network TV. All right. How many other procedurals or network dramas have a black man that is portrayed as action dude, but he's also intelligent, compassionate, one of the leaders, and regularly dates sisters that are darker complexion than him? I'll wait. I mean, what does Ice-T do on Law & Order besides say, move and I'll shoot you right. and glower at suspects? Right, right. So uh, he's saying, put some respect on Shamar Moore's name. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, that's fair. That I'll is take fair. that. That is fair. I'll take that, and God bless him getting them CBS checks. Oh, oh, Speaking of that. which, it's not really a correction, because I think we said it, but it didn't dawn on me. Like, I know a lot of times when we say that these actors that we enjoy are on shows, mm -hmm. they're really part of ensembles. Right. And I'm just happy that they're on the show. Like, Shamar Moore is on Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. But, like, you could argue SWAT is his show. Yeah, SWAT is his show. But, you know, He's even that lead. is sort of this big it's ensemble. High, yeah. uh, did you see the trailer for Simone's show? No, I did not. That's her actual show. Is it really? Yeah, I that's because she's, she's, she's like she's the judge. The, but she's not the lead. Dude, the trailer I saw, it's her show. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure she's I said, it. I said, all right, Simone. Like, everyone's sort of orbiting around her. Okay. I okay. said, well, all right, Simone. Well, you know what? This might be, I'm, I'm curious because I'm curious whether or not this show turns out to be akin to what the West Wing was. Because, like, the West Wing was supposed to originally mostly be about the staff. Right. And, you know, um, Martin, Martin uh, Sheen. Martin Sheen, yeah. As a president, definitely a star there but was supposed to the idea was that he would be on maybe every other episode right or for a scene you see him walking by or something like that right and of course he becomes more of a prominent right member i wonder if that's actually what they're they plan for this show and simone just being simone because she's gonna pop that eyebrow up and they're saying you know you know what why don't you just stay stay for these scenes too you know what? Is she going to take over this job? You know what? A direct quote from my house, because I saw the, you know, because they dropped all the trailers. And I was just watching trailers. I said, oh, let me actually watch the trailer. Right. And I said, all right. I said, make that money, Simone. Do your thing, girl. I, like, yelled alone in my house and said that. So. <laughs> she may take over the show. All right, now. She might, she might take over the show. But we continue. Ah, uh, yes. But we continue. Uh, Respect on Shamar Moore's name. Yes. All right. We we will we will endeavor to put more respect 
on Shamar as, Moore. As, as Markham said, he is one of the better actors, pause, within the CBS procedural world. Yes. I can agree with that. Yes. Which is uh, damning with faint praise. <laughs> also, I, I want to point out that MC Pickett Fence um, pointed out to it was us. Up, MC and Pickett this was something Fence. I actually had forgotten. Uh-huh. That Dr. Dre was one of the original members of the hip hop group Original Concept. I didn't know that. I did. I remember him on the on the cover, like after. Wow, yeah. I did not know that. I had that album, and um, I actually got that album thinking that I was getting another group. Right, right. I think I th- thought I was getting organized confused. I was about to say, it's like 30 groups that have a name kind of right. like that, yeah. So, But then I was like, oh, well, this is from New-, from New York. How bad could they be? And they weren't bad. I was about to say, it's not a bad album. Not a bad album. It's not a bad album. It's not groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but he was he was on the ground. And I, I I don't believe, I think he was like just a DJ. Like, Wow, I, I did not know that. So he had some bona fides. Okay. Again, all the more reason that the movie and the soundtrack should have been better. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Sorry. You know, hey. Oh. It is what it is. Oh. All right, let's go through some of the feedback. Oh. Oh. Calm, calm down, Vince. <laughs> calm down. Hey, um, I didn't see that. It's, I missed this, but Aaron Fry hit us up on a Facebook group. Hey, what's up, Aaron? And uh, put a note, uh, uh, mention out there that a couple of days ago, on May 17th, that TCM showed rapping. I saw that. At 2 a.m., and yeah. then they followed that with Beat Street that's at 4 a.m. That's right. My dad saw that, and my dad said, who in the world is up watching uh, Beat Street at 4 a.m.? And I said, people with really good sense and good taste in hip-hop um, movies. Yes. Or have to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> they made you sit through rapping now. <laughs> True. Uh, Robert Monroe posted. Hey, what's up, Robert? That um, I don't know if you're aware about this, Vince. This new, I believe, show that's on Stars, The Spanish Princess. I saw that. Reclaiming the truth about women of color in Tudor, England. When you think of Tudor, England, Henry VIII, Anne Boleyn, and bloody beheadings probably spring to mind. But thanks to countless dramatic adaptations and docuseries about those dramatic days, one thing that's often been cut from the narrative, though, are the people of color whom historians know lived in London and contributed to the royal courts of the day. Stars the Spanish Princess is trying to amend this by putting the Moorish members of Catherine of Aragon's court front and center in yep. the story. Stephanie Livy John co-stars in the series as Lena, Catherine's real-life lady-in-waiting, whom we know as a woman of color blooming in the courts of the Tudor Rose. Yeah, there's, you know, that we, we are adjacent to so many geek mm-hmm. nerd cultures. Right. But there is a whole subculture of people of color, you know, and black people specifically, who participate in Renaissance fairs? That's true. And, very true. And they have they have been very very vocal about this very subject. Yes. About people of color and and you know a lot of the Moors, mm-hmm. you know people of more you know around at that time, and it's fascinating. Yeah. Because yeah, as the story says, when we think about it, we always think about something on like the BBC, mm-hmm. and it's all white people. But there there was a fair amount. Of representation. The writer and executive producer 
Matthew Graham, um, in an article with Decider, said that hundreds of people of color lived and worked hap- quite happily with the indigenous English people in that period. Lena was real. She married Oviedo. We wanted to tell their story because their story definitely existed. It was just in the sidebar of history. Right. So they're giving it the prominence uh, that it is just to. I mean, uh, okay, well, you know what? I just realized I was going to say another reason for me to um, for me to uh, subscribe to stars. I have stars. You have stars. I have. I just re- I, I just remembered that I have stars because I got it for um, uh, American Gods. Right, right, right. So, which I have not watched one episode of. I watched like the uh, a lot of the first season. It right. was good. I just kind of like. I got stars for my beloved counterpart that got canceled. Oh yeah, you are the um, J.K. Simmons. The, the, the J.K. Simmons sci-fi show. It got canceled. It got canceled after two seasons. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I, it just couldn't hit me, man. It's it's a slow burn. Yeah. It's a slow. I mean, obviously, it was too slow of a burn for most people, and it was on stars. True. But but, you know, the two seasons stand on their own. Is it any consolation that the Steve Harvey show also? Got canceled? <laughs> Hey, man, I don't wish that man no ill will. He's got eight jobs. <laughs> Look, he's fine. I don't wish him as no ill As long as the family feud checks are, are hey, cashing, he's fine. As long as he keep Marjorie in the lifestyle she has become accustomed to, I think things mm-hmm. will go well at the Harvey household. Trust but, me, that I'm sure there are documents that say that he is he has to do but so. But don't lose no more jobs, Steve. Speaking about movies on um, streaming services, uh, well, Stars is not a streaming service, but anyway. Have you had a chance to check out this movie on Netflix, Vince? See you yesterday. I haven't yet, because I'm just waiting to sit down mm-hmm. and watch it. Probably, is, with, you know, with the wife. That is a very good movie. So you you watched it? Yeah. I, well, I didn't watch the whole thing. I kind of okay. like caught like a, a part of it because yeah. Tawana was watching it, and I just sat to the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it's a very good, very good movie, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know about See You Yesterday. Uh, it's a sci-fi film um, that is written and directed by Stefan uh, Stefan Bristol, um, produced by his NYU teacher Spike Lee, and it's a time travel movie. Um, for those that don't know about it, I'm going to give you give you like a quick little uh, blurb about what See You Yesterday is is all about as i go here it is a 2019 american sci-fi movie that follows the story of an ambitious science prodigy who uses her prowess and capabilities to create time machines in order to save her brother from an incident that claimed his life as she tries to alter the events of the past she will eventually face the perilous consequences of time travel and it even has some very cute uh, nods to some more famous time travel movies such as even Avengers Endgame and even more on the nose Back to the Future. Of course. In it. Of course. Um, it's a it's a really cool movie, man. Yeah. It's a really cool movie. You should uh, um, I can't wait for you to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's on the top of my list. It's really dope. Sp- uh, starring Eden Duncan Smith in the lead as Claudette Dante Critchlow um, is her co-star. It's a really cool movie, so, and I'm at, and it's getting play. Like you put it on Netflix, it's one of those. One oh of the yeah, feature... well, it's gotten a lot, a fair amount of pub. So yeah. I'm yeah, I'm happy. So I'm glad that it's getting it's getting its uh 
<clears throat> getting some shine on there. Uh, let us see, because we oh we got emails. Vince. Emails. We got an email. We got a couple of emails that I'm gonna read you. Okay. Um, first email I'm gonna read you is from Mo Popular. Hey, what's up, Mo? Who had his own feedback? All right. In regards to the Who's the Man episode. All right. Uh, and I'm gonna read this exactly as he writes it, Vince. <laughs> That's always a good sign. <laughs> Mr. Vincent Williams. Uh-oh. Watch out now. I must vigorously oh. disagree oh. with your disparaging remarks. Oh, no. Not against who's the man. Right, right. No, We are in not. agreement there. Yeah, but against. But why do you have to sully the reputations of Red Man and oh, Method Man here. with words like shucking and jiving? Here we go. Redman is and always has been a consistently irreverent MC who uses humor the way a young Ice Cube used anger as his tool to incisively comment on black life in America. Popular culture might have you, Mr. Williams, believe that black men are only angry, loud, and vulgar, as evidenced by their music. But at a closer listen, you might realize that black music has a plethora of expressions Ooh, to include plethora. thug goofy <laughs> <laughs> did you see I'm with them I'm with them I'm with them so far did you see red man's cribs clip did you see how he spelled serial killer have you seen the goodness music video one of my favorite uses of Duke Ellington's caravan red man grew up in brick city and like Oakland California he saw the desperate awful depravity forced on his community and he responded with humor as my grandmama used to say he laughed to keep him from crying from crying and then there's Method Man, my number one top MC of all time. M-E-T-H-O-D. Man. Man. The voice, the flow. But that's another topic. Meth is interesting in that he has a group of friends who are hardcore, rough, and rugged. And then he has his homie in Jersey he likes to play video games and smoke weed with. You seem to suggest that Method Man is too good an MC to exist in both spaces at the same time. As Len alluded to, there is a huge diversity in the black experience and it shouldn't be too hard to see a young man express different emotions. I disagree with your premise that Method Man, the Method Man and Red Man team-ups are not about gaining a suburban audience obviously suburban audiences spend good and plenty money on hyper masculine black identity hence all the multi-platinum gangster rappers but rappers are goofy intelligent articulate paternal romantic sensitive brothers and sisters who have joy and hurt and laugh like the likes of you and yeah they might resort to violence if you come incorrect Mr. Williams, oh no! All dancing ain't shucking. All playing ain't jiving. Mo popular. P.S. I liked your last blog post. I agree. If I may retort, however, speaking specifically of meth in red in that particular phenomenon, I think that was shucking and jiving. I think when we are talking about this type of humor, I think you're absolutely right. You know what? Let's just stick with Wu Tang Clan. Okay. Like, let's stick with Wu-Tang Clan. I think you look at RZA and Jizza, who very self-consciously 
have been involved with some things that are kind of funny. You know, they appeared on the Chappelle show a couple of times, you know, send ups of their own persona. Mm -hmm. I've said from the moment he came out that old dirty bastard was the Thelonious Monk of hip hop with his cadence. Mm. But his persona, he was the Andy Kaufman of hip hop. Okay. Because his whole persona was performance art. So I would never say there's no room for humor in hip hop or, you know, sort of the vast array of emotions. My issue with Meth in Red and that phenomenon, and it was a show. They did actually have a television oh, show really? for a year wow. called Meth in Red. The way I judge shucking and jiving. It's nice to know we got one fact right. Right. <laughs> Intelligence and audience. Okay. Someone like Dave Chappelle had a primary white audience, as most black art does. Primary white audience, you could argue who it was aimed towards, but I think Dave Chappelle was very articulate about knowing and being aware of this primary white audience. Okay. But across the board, even in something like Half-Baked, there is a level of intelligence. Mm -hmm. There is a level of self-awareness that runs through it. So that you don't get the sense that it's just spectacle. And then there's audience. Something like Martin has never been my cup of tea. Never? Never. Like, again, we've talked about this before. We all kind of signed up for, oh, Martin's first season. But I've never, ever been a Martin Lawrence fan. Gotcha. Just generally. Gotcha. I would never say that Martin was shucking and jiving because I think Martin Lawrence unapologetically makes his work aimed towards a black audience. Mm -hmm. So that's just family stuff. You know, it's just family and, and everything don't have to be for everybody. I don't like this particular part of what's going on at the family gathering. So I just go to another room. Got you. But it's okay. still family. I got you. I think when you get that connection of a lack of intelligence and a lack of self-awareness and a lack of nuance. So that is just spectacle mm -hmm. in front of a white audience. That's when I start talk, talking about shucking and or jiving. Okay. And I defy you. And you know what? I'll use your own words against you. You named all the examples of what red man did even on the cribs video, which is one of the most self-aware pieces of footage I've ever seen. And red man has talked about that. Like he knew that it was fake and people were living in rent out. So he said he was going to go on and go against the grain. Right. You talk about his videos. Um, um, you know, again, I think Wu-Tang Clan is hilarious, quietly. Like, I think the sketches on uh, Enter the 36 Chambers are hilarious. Mm -hmm. But you can tell that they're speaking to each other and you're just sort of taping it. I defy you to look at Meth and Red. I think they made, like, some Sprite commercials or something. And yes, how high. And I maintain that there is shucking. And also, if you press me, there was indeed jiving. All right. Well, we'll see how Mo Popular chooses to retort. Hey, man. Your retort. There's no retort like a vigorous retort. And you know I live for this kind of stuff. And a vigorous retort don't stop. <laughs> we got another email. All right. This is from the Home Dad Abroad. Yeah, I saw this. All right, I, go ahead. All right. I knew we messed this up. <laughs> hi, Len. Hi, Vince. Hey. Uh, the subject line is, there you go, ruining the effing movie again. <clears throat> Is this us or him? 
I don't know. We shall see. <laughs> hi, Lynn. Hi, Vince. My apologies for being so dreadfully behind as to only now be listening to and commenting on Sorry to Bother You, despite not having had a chance to view it yet. But oh. as is my purpose in life, I must put forth a correction. All right. Which, by announcing it so early in my email, naturally allows you to wholly ignore it and move on to more agreeable correspondence. No, oh. we don't duck anything I was about here. To say, we never ignore corrections. No, because we need to be corrected. Exactly. Near the wrap-up for the episode, while debating the film's inclusion under the banner of science fiction, which truthfully can apply to most films that use elements of the scientifically fantastic to comment upon current future and even past human society you reach for tonal comparisons to luke basson's the fifth element and terry gilliam's brazil yeah self-fulfillingly concluding that boots riley found connection with two englishmen most likely because of their non-american understanding of class differences in society very profound very intriguing very wrong very wrong terry gilliam though a british citizen now was born and raised in America. He happened to be hanging out in England when Monty Python formed and decided to stay there, eventually renouncing his U.S. citizenship for political and taxation reasons. I did not know that. I knew that he was American. I did not know he was an American. Um, I just thought he was part of Monty Python. Luc Basson. Now this I did know. Is French. Yes. And full of himself. He is. But, but not directly due to being French. <laughs> Neither filmmaker <laughs> fits into your thesis. Thanks for playing. Feel free to try again sometime. Yeah. I have another more relevant comment to make. Okay. Uh, but my earlier verbosity seems to have scared it off. Oh, wait. There it is. <laughs> I love the home data broadcast. I know. I know. <laughs> They are, they are such delights. Uh, on spoiling, film criticism, in its truest sense, is a spoiler. Interesting. Film criticism does not exist to help a casual date find a way to blow a couple of hours together as a pretense for trying to get it on at All the right. front door later. No. Film criticism is an attempt to find the deeper meaning in story and image, ah. to unearth the societal viewpoint of the author in their work, and to explore the depths of character created by talented actors because of or in spite of the material they are working with. To perform such an in-depth analysis requires a frank exploration of the nuances of a film in its entirety, thus embracing of aspects that may quote-unquote spoil the story for new viewers. Like Pauline Cahill and others whose names I can't remember, the two of you who perform <laughs> this true form of film criticism on your mission every week. Oh, well, At thank your you. lowest moments, oh. you criticize in the vein of Cisco and Ebert <laughs> in their printed columns, not their thumbs up TV show still good company to be in in the way in which they brought criticism down from the lofty heights of self-important academia to the common man looking to avoid wasting their money on tripe while retaining a rich analysis that avoided too much details from the films. Unfortunately, Cisco and Ebert also birthed the industry of throwaway up down votes on what's hot this weekend, which inexorably led to the aggregation of online anger into tomato-based ratings of art. Mm. So please, 
please, and yet another please, continue to do the Lord's work oh. of dissecting and shredding slash elevating the souls of these films to help others think more deeply about what they pour into their eye holes. Oh. Sent by two-way pager, the home dad abroad. Well, thank you. That's so thoughtful. He's a thoughtful man. I feel like we should have read that before a better movie. <laughs> Like every now and then we get like these really inspiring mission statement missives Mm -hmm. from the missionaries. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what we're doing, like we're doing good work. But like we should have read that before we did, you know, I don't know, killing a sheep or something. Yeah. Instead of. Instead of steel. steel. From 1997, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to our review. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. How would you like to help me deal the next generation of super weapons to the world? The weapons of tomorrow. I've already made quite a few of these dandy little toys. Do you really want to be the only ones without my kind of firepower? Terrorizing our cities today. Officers down. We got a big problem here. Now to protect those hey, Grandma. who can't fight back. The gang still messing with him? Worse than ever. One man must stand up for the people. Maybe the police aren't enough. Maybe we need a new kind of firepower for ourselves. Got you, bro. What exactly am I supposed to be doing here? We make our own kind of weapons to take out the ones in the streets. To stop the enemy without hurting them. And become a new breed of hero. That might get a little dangerous. I laugh at danger. I'm boogie around danger like a soul-trained dancer. With a will of iron, a heart of gold, and a body of steel. It's hammer time. What a magnetic personality. We gotta admit, the guy's got style. Steel is a 1997 American superhero film based on the DC Comics character of the same name. The film stars Shaquille O'Neal as John Henry Irons and his alter ego Steel, Annabeth Gish as his wheelchair-using partner Susan Sparks, and Judd Nelson yeah, as mm-hmm. their rival Nathaniel Burke. The plot centers on an accident caused by Burke, which leaves Sparks paralyzed. The accident results in Irons quitting the service, the military service, <laughs> and Burke uh, beginning mass producing weapons and selling them to criminals. In order to stop Burke, Irons and Sparks create a suit of armor that leads Ar- 
Irons to Become the Superhero Steel. Written and directed by Kenneth Johnson and produced by uh, David Salzman, Joel Simon, and one Quincy Jones. One Quincy Jones. The film separates itself from the comic book series by using original protagonists and antagonists. And on its initial release, Steel was, in fact, a box office bomb. Yes, 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 it was. Panned by critics. Noting the cheesiness and the bad acting in mm-hmm. this film, mm-hmm. Vince's selection. Vince's for Mother May I Have Another. Yes. On the Michelle mission, Vince, what say you of steel? What say me of steel? What type of societal dissection shall we do <laughs> of steel? Yes. Let's let's do the Lord's work. Let's do the Lord's work and talk about steel. Well, as as befits a film for Mother May I, this is a terrible film. Mm. The acting is terrible. The script is terrible. The special effects are terrible. (laughs) The design work is terrible. (laughs) Everything is terrible. But I think what makes this film the most terrible of all Mm -hmm. is that this is a film with it, it, it would take some work like this isn't like some films that we've talked about that you know a tweak here a tweak there right. but this was a film that with three more drafts of a script a couple of things that happened that didn't necessarily have to do with the film with things that went left instead of right mm-hmm. there might have been something interesting here I think when you talk about Steel as a missed opportunity, you you really do have to start with the writer and director, Kenneth Kenneth Johnson. And Kenneth Johnson, if you've never heard that name, you've certainly heard of his work, especially if you are a genre person. Mm -hmm. Kenneth Johnson was the creator of the V miniseries that, you know, if you were a kid in the 80s and then there um, there was a revamp of it. And I think the early 21st century, maybe late 90s, which was about an invasion, an alien invasion, but under the guise of their looking human. And it was one of the first real events, science fiction events. Like, I don't remember any science fiction miniseries before V off of the top of my head. Right. And, you know, it was a real thing. And then, you, you know, it was like over three or four nights and then it spun out. It spun off into a short-lived television series, yep. and it is a it it is a miniseries and a show and a phenomenon that has its fans. It does, and it was a fairly smart show. He was also the creator of the television adaptation of the film Alien Nation, mm-hmm. which, much like V, was much smarter than it had to be. Right, like you know, like none of this is 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 Westworld. But these were solid science fiction properties during this this period. And Kenneth Johnson writes the script, and he's brought in to this project. And the first problem that occurs when when Warner Brothers brings him in is that Shaquille O'Neal is attached. Now, we can talk about Shaquille O'Neal and... And 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 the absurdity of Shaquille O'Neal in this role, and and you know, and frankly, I think the absurdity of Shaquille O'Neal 
in anything where he's not Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Like, I think there's really just no getting around. Like, this is a seven-foot-tall man who's almost 300 pounds. Right. Like, Shaquille O'Neal in a a, a military uniform is Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Like, Shaquille O'Neal dressed up as a chef is Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. Like, you can't really do anything with Shaquille O'Neal that's not Shaquille O'Neal. And and there's certainly this level of absurdity in this film with Shaquille O'Neal. Historically, Johnson didn't have a lot of time to write this script. So he said, okay, Shaquille O'Neal's attached. I'm going to write the script. And his quote there, you know, for those of you who want to do a deep dive into the history of steel, there's a great interview with Kenneth Johnson where he talks about the making of steel. And he has this great quote where he says, I'm going to need some time to write the script. And Warner Brothers says, we need it next Tuesday, next Thursday. Yes. Because Shaquille O'Neal was on the Olympic basketball team. Right. So just because of scheduling, there was this quick turnaround with the script. Mm-hmm. The other thing about this quick turnaround and Shaquille O'Neal basically having to come and shoot it and go is that he's not a good actor at all. But I think Shaquille O'Neal has, I think, you know, I think he seems like he has charisma. Yeah. Like, you know, and you've seen Shaquille O'Neal over the couple of decades. He has charisma. And I think, again, not with a tweak, but with some actual commitment to working with him, Shaquille O'Neal may have approached the rock level as far as an actor. Mm. The rock is not a great actor. Mm. The Rock is not a great actor. Mm. The Rock is The Rock. The Rock has made The Rock work for him. Mm-hmm. He has sort of transitioned into Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone is expecting to see, you know, uh, The Rock in um, Seven Guitars. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that false? No. You know, he's The Rock. We love The Rock. I love The Rock. But The Rock is more charisma than acting skill. Okay. I mean, that's not fair. I don't. I. I. I don't think that's necessarily fair anymore. Uh, oh, but and, he, and from early on in his career, oh, okay. I don't think it's fair. Oh, Scorpion King Rock. Scorpion King Rock. Sure. Okay, but, but Scorpion King Rock is is all special effects. Okay. The storyline, all of it, terrible. Originally, Wesley Snipes is supposed to play this role. And you know that West, you know, you know, I think this is, um, you know, Wesley Snipes, of course, goes on to be in Blade the year after this, which I think is important because something that everyone says when they talk about this project is that more than anything else, it demonstrated how Warner Brothers had no belief in a black superhero film. And no real belief in this as a film. This was from the very beginning looked at as a money grab. They said Shaquille O'Neal, he's a face. The kids love him. We're going to try and figure out how to sell some toys. And I think this this sense of of disposability, this sense of sort of corporate mandate to sell some toys runs through this entire thing. And and it's it's you know I'm not gonna say it's a shame like I'm sure there's a parallel <laughs> like I'm sure there's a parallel universe where like steel 
has like this great following and it was this great kind of sleeper hit. But, you know, I, I feel like I, I don't feel like I'm in the darkest timeline that I'm in the timeline that Steel didn't become what it was. But, you know, it's a terrible movie. And here we are in week four of Mother May I. Is this week four? Oh, yeah, this is week four. Because we still got one more week. I, I know. It's a, it's 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 um, a long month. Uh, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, you're right. He has charisma. Yes. Like, th- like the one thing I've always said about, because I, I like Shaquille O'Neal, mm-hmm. right? And the one thing I've always applauded him for is, especially considering how how large the man is, is that he is a, he is a man that seems very comfortable in his skin, mm-hmm. and because of that, that he makes you at ease with his size, which alone can just be intimidating. <laughs> yes, he's actually a giant. He yes, you know. <laughs> So, um, Fifi Fo Fum and all that. I mean, he's he is in this movie, and like he is he is such a giant that they lean into the giantness of him. He's doing superhero things as Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> like as Shaquille O'Neal, he's ripping gates off their hinges, he's lifting roofs off people. <laughs> I mean, I have to save you and move this rubble. <laughs> Sparks. <laughs> so he's already a superhero, right? 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 Like, like the 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 steel <laughs> is. T- so unnecessary. Like, how much scrap metal do they have back there? There's not enough scrap metal. He literally has a car on. <laughs> he literally is wearing a Corolla. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the man is, I mean, he's he, to kill. He, he, like, he has to duck down to walk into places. I mean, just like the average place, you know? Right. He is He is looking. Or, or human-sized places. He's looking down at stop signs. I mean, the man is immense, right? <laughs> but you li- you like him right right because right. he's got that because he, he's Shaquille he he walks straight he's chill he's got he's got it on his polo shirts tucked into his khakis you <laughs> right. know looking like straight military dude you know right, what I mean? right. like you know you know Major Dad like if, if Major Dad was like an NBA center yes you know um he he uh, he's got that goofball smile that he can't help but put on his face um so you so you you want to like him right but he's a bad actor yes and the one thing that that interview with Kenneth Johnson as he points out it's like okay you've got Shaquille and it's understandable because in 1997 is very early in his career and despite him already having Two huge flops, right, in his canon, which would be Kazam and Blue Chips, right. So he's it's the 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 the, the his resume already says can act, yes, right. But you want to believe that this gregarious guy who is a huge star in the NBA and and by virtue of that, um, in popular culture, in popular culture. 
you you want to believe, okay, we just got to get them in the right vehicle. Nobody's going to believe him with blue chips. Nobody cared about blue chips. And as Kazam, you weren't going to believe him as this seven-foot genie. But maybe you could believe this seven-foot superhero, right? So the Warner Brothers, who lucked into a deal with him, and probably they want to do that because he's a huge Superman fan. Right, right. So, and that uh, plays out in the movie where his character, John Henry Irons, is is more or less Superman. It makes sense because it's based on a DC Comics character who was inspired by Superman in right. the comics, but they have to write away from that for this movie. Um, so, it's understandable why why uh, Shaquille would be attracted to this because I get to be the black Superman in the comics, right. more or less, right? So I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to rock and roll with this. I'm going to do it. But um, so Kenneth Johnson in that interview, he says, "Okay, my hands are tied. You're, you've already got him attached, but this means that you've got to give me some." Some um, you've got to give me an A-list actor, at least a B-list actor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to kind of like you know sell the movie, right? And also who can maybe act against him to maybe at least bolster those those scenes. Yes. All due respect to Annabeth Gish, who <laughs> I actually first uh, became aware of on the on the West Wing, where she played one of the um, president's daughters. Okay. This is very early in her career. Yeah, she's not good. She's not. She's not. She's good. not good. I think she may be acting down. Okay. To the level of who she is acting against, because most of most of her scenes are against Shaquille O'Neal. And what's and what's their deal? Well, you don't know. Their deal is that you believe they're they're best friends from the military, right? Um, but there's the hint of possible romantic. Uh, 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 affection from one to the other or maybe both but you, I, I have a feeling that and you can only blame Kenneth Johnson because he wrote the movie is scared to go there I was about to say why can't Shaq have a love interest he, he's, I think he's scared to go there and, and, and who knows maybe I don't know having never read Steel in the comics, I don't know whether or not this character is even in the comics, so I can't speak to what right, the comic right, books say right. about Jer- John Henry Irons. Um, but either Kenneth Johnson is, is scared to go there. For all we know, Shaquille O'Neal may not have been comfortable right. with it. I want to do the movie, but I, sure. I can't run out. Why can't we just be good friends? Right. And at the end of the day, there's no reason why they can't be good friends. It's just that they're is obvious ambiguity played there in the movie, so you want to at least see it answered. And it's distracting. Because it's distracting. Yeah. Like what what's what's happening here? Then you have so then you have Judd Nelson. <laughs> Nobody's ever gonna confuse Judd Nelson with Robert De Niro. He's having fun now. But, but he's having fun, but neither is anybody going to confuse um Judd Nelson with oh and I just drew a blank on my man uh, the man from the blacklist um, oh not Kiefer Sutherland not Kiefer Sutherland um, you're certainly not going to confuse him with Kiefer James uh, James Spader James Spader you're not going to confuse Judd Nelson with James Spader right either right. A, a character actor who 
is renowned for playing kind of like swarmy parts. Yeah. Like this part is like made for James Spader. Yeah. And James Spader would lean into it. He would have fun with it, but lend his level of gravi- gravitas to it, but would also be giving you something. Right. Judge Nelson is just giving you crazy eyes. Yes. That's all he's giving you and and um and really bad hair. <laughs> That's all he's bringing to the yeah. table in this movie. You have a young Ray J <laughs> who, who, first of all, oh. I'm mad that at this very young age, he can already be credited as Ray J. Like, you, you should not, you should have a driver's license before you can just go by a name and an initial. An American treasure. <laughs> Please. Raymond Jonathan Norwood. No, he's Ray J. Colon American Treasure. That being said, he he he's he's not distracting in the movie. No. I mean he's a kid. He's, he's, a, kid. he's a kid. He's a little brother. He's doing a kid thing. He plays his he plays, you know, he plays his position. He plays his position, it's whatever. And it's Ray J. It's and it's Ray J. <laughs> and he's just being Ray J. So you either gonna like him or you don't. I love Ray J. I, I can take or leave Ray J. <laughs> An American treasure. Mm-hmm. Raymond Jonathan Norwood. Speaking of Colin, American treasures. American treasure. Speaking of American treasures. We now land <laughs> on Richard Roundtree. Oh, I thought that's not where you want to. Like, I left you a couple of gifts that I didn't mention I was waiting for. But go ahead, Richard Roundtree. Richard Roundtree. Obviously, you know, was laid on a couple of car payments and said, sure, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he, I think Richard Roundtree in the beginning is having fun with this movie because mm-hmm. there's a scene like when he when he's introduced into the movie he seems like he's genuinely having fun uncle joe he's uncle joe in, at the junkyard at the junkyard which comes out of the blue about an hour into the movie um <laughs> it's not a great script not a great script uh but he looks like he's having fun yeah i think as time wore on he more or less was like are we are we over? He got sleepy. <laughs> it was a long shoot. <laughs> Perfect. And not for nothing. I love Shaft. You love Shaft. We all love Shaft. Yes. Richard Roundtree ain't never been the greatest actor. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you know, let's let's not act like this is beneath Richard Roundtree. <laughs> Fair enough. Actor. Fair enough. They give him a shaft joke. They do give him a shaft joke, which is so dumb. How can you not laugh? They make fun of Shaquille O'Neal not being able to hit jump shots, yeah. and they give Richard Roundtree a shaft joke. Yeah, done. Um, there, there's another member of the cast that you haven't mentioned yet, and I'm not talking about Irma P. Hall, who's oh. here playing Irma P. Hall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I'm. 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 I. Come on, man. A loss. Come on. Come on, how are you not going to talk about Hill Harper as the leader of the street gang who the costume department outfitted in gold teeth, an eye patch, yes. backwards suspenders mm-hmm. with no shirt, yes, and a bald head 
with the tattoo of a spider on the side of his head. How in a film with a seven foot tall black man wearing a car (laughs) is Hill Harper the most distracting physical image on the screen? Yeah, it's not a good look for him. Not a good look for Mr. Harper. I honestly forgot that he was in the movie. Well, you know, he had he he had submerged himself in the he role. Did. He had he submerged did. himself in he the role. He immersed himself oh, yeah. in that role. Oh yeah. And so much so that I just totally drew a blank <laughs> on his contribution to this god awful movie. This really I mean, there was just just no fun. Yeah, it wasn't. This movie. It wasn't. Because as much as I think that they, you know, uh, uh, fed on Shaquille O'Neal's love of Superman to get him in into this movie. Right. He doesn't even look like he's having fun. Well, you know, I I really do think, I really do think the circumstance, circumstances kind of r- really affected this. Like, I honestly believe that if they had gotten, you know, I don't know how long the shoot was, but, but you know, the implication again, was that it was this very quick turnaround. Yes. I honestly believe, based on Kenneth Johnson's resume, as a writer and a director, Shaquille O'Neal's charisma and Shaquille O'Neal's commitment to this film and you know apparently yeah every, and this is what everyone says like Shaquille O'Neal is is not a prima donna you know he 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 takes direction this that and the other this could have been a dark man level film like the Sam Ra- the Sam Raimi Sam or, dark yeah man. dark man which you know not a great film right but not a bad film. Like you hear people that say, oh, yo, I really love Darkman. Or when he first directed Spider-Man, people said, yeah, I can see this. Like you could see his progression from Darkman. Right. There is something that could have been here and it's not. And, and you know, not to, to go too deep into my feverish fanboy rant, but this is straight Warner Brothers. Like to me, to me, Steele actually does live on the same continuum of critique of the Man of Steel Returns, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, uh, any of the last couple of Superman movies. Like, this is Warner Brothers. Like, this is what they have done with the superhero properties consistently since, you know, Tim Burton. Like you get the and, and they, they said it like this was about selling lunch boxes. This was about merchandise. And there is no you know, you don't want to use you, you don't want to use a, a term like respect for the source material. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, I think that's what it comes down to. You you know, again, like like we're talking about a ten year victory lap with the Marvel movies, but at the end of the day. That's really what the baseline secret is. You get some creators mm-hmm. who have some level of respect for the source material. And then you get the hell out the way and let them make a movie. Well, that's true. But but that's why I think that 
you can blame um, Warner Brothers if you want, but I think that the fault lies more at the feet of Kenneth Johnson because he wrote this movie. Um, and the movie that he writes is a bad movie. It's a story that like really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I never, I, I, I couldn't quite figure out. Because I don't understand, like you with know, Judd Nelson's whole, the, like whole thing about. I, 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 I didn't understand. He it wants either. to, he wants to. Okay, he, he's lucked onto these military secrets about these secret weapons, right? But his whole thing about about making dough off of this is to sell it in the streets to criminals yeah like i didn't understand if anything why. you're going on a black market to because you were in the military you should have contacts i was about to say you only had to go on a black martin black martin because I'm, I'm i'm messing up because i'm thinking like lockheed martin makes billions upon billions of dollars why are you selling stuff to hill harper like get a military contract well, I can understand why you couldn't get a military contract because it's based on military top secret stuff. But that's why you would have to go on a black market. Okay, but you, sell it, but you sell it to other countries, right? You don't se- you don't sell it to Compton to Com- uh, I, I didn't or wherever that. this was. I didn't really. So that made that made absolutely no sense. Um, and then, like I said, the Uncle Joe, the junkyard thing, just comes out of the blue after Shaquille goes and. Uh, piggybacks an entire wheelchair. I think it's actually called kidnapping. Well, yes. Kid- I wrote in my notes, why are people applauding him kidnapping this woman? Yes, that he just walks right. in. He, and, 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 you're made to believe that he literally lifts her up in the wheelchair yeah, and walks out with her. And walks out with her and then walks to the junkyard. Yes. I mean, uh, so it, it's just... And then we haven't even touched on... We say that he's wearing a car... But that's only because it's so much stuff on him. <laughs> but it is one of the worst adaptations of a costume you will ever see. It's supposed to be steel. Yeah. It's supposed to be total steel on him. It looks literally like the stuffing from a box. Yeah. Styrofoam. Also, his big weapon is a hammer he never actually uses it he never as a hammer never use the hammer as a hammer he uses it as a gun as a gun he turns on a magnet so yeah. that it come back to him Magnus. and and when it comes back to him why doesn't he catch it why does he just let the hammer just slap him in the chest <laughs> <laughs> and since we've moved to the petty details i didn't realize before earlier today that Something that I never need to see is Shaquille O'Neal on a motorcycle. Dude, <laughs> was that the most tricycle-looking motorcycle? <laughs> like, who is this bear that escaped from the circus <laughs> it does. on a little tricycle? It lit- I, I was waiting for the music literally to go... <laughs> it's like, why did they put this massive man on a motorcycle? On on yeah on that motorcycle on that motorcycle Th- that motorcycle I mean like they could have maybe built a bigger motorcycle build a m- bigger motorcycle give them like some like like beefed up Harley Davidson or something something like that. but like dude they, they gave him like Robin's 
You know what else I like? I love the fact that no one is really that fooled by his disguise as steel. No. It's like it's another seven foot tall black man running around. Who could it be under that mask? Yes. Yes. Oh, hi, John. (laughs) Yes. We've got a lineup. It's six foot two, six foot three, seven foot four. Six foot one. Oh. Take your time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so terrible. <laughs> so I, I think the, the, the and the other thing that makes me think that it's mostly Kenneth Johnson's Right, well, right, right. It's because when you read that interview, yeah, and that interview, ladies and gentlemen, is on Vice, and the the, the title of it is 20 years later, Steel director admits Shaq was probably a bad choice. <laughs> he talks about, Kenneth Johnson talks about, maybe I should have walked away when I couldn't get the cast that I wanted. Mind you, he doesn't mention who he wants to cast in that movie. I mean, he talked about Wesley Snipes. He, no, no. What, he, what the, the film talks about is that he, after a screening with, uh, of the movie, goes to Warner Brothers and it's like, yo, you know, like, I really don't think this is going to work. And they're the ones like, yeah, you know what? We were almost at the point oh. of saying, like, you know, yeah, maybe we were just scrapping to get Wesley or Denzel. But we thought, like, maybe we could, like, you know. Right. So you're saying that we don't know who he would have actually no. chosen. He, and you know why? Because he doesn't know. Because he doesn't because know. Because this whole article is him blaming everybody else. He blames Shaquille O'Neal, yeah, even yeah. though he, he he damages him with faint praise about how he was a good guy. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. a nice dude and everything like that. Yeah. He kind of, like, gives a... a um, Talk sideways about the rest of the cast. Yes. You know, like, hey, they didn't give, like, their best work or whatever like that. He talks about the marketing, how it was marketed to teens. Yeah. And he felt it should have been marketed to, to families. Which I think is a fair critique. It's a fair critique. But even as a family movie, this was still a piece of crap. It was terrible. It was just a bad movie. It was so he's terrible. Bl- he's blaming all of this for the failure of this movie without really looking himself square in the eyes like you're the man who wrote it right and you're the man who directed it and props to the man from uh, the interviewer from uh vice uh noel um noel ransom yeah because he even says in here you know when you know dude's talking slick about people and and like you know uh warner brothers and all this type of stuff and uh, he says, you know, uh, a headline actor could damage a film without the proper skills. Despite that, as a director, most of the bad decisions would fall under your name. Does this possibility bother you? And it, his answer to that is, well, there are a lot of stars that can't act. So right. he's already now throwing... The other um, stars under, under the, the bus because that's when he mentioned Steve McQueen wasn't the best actor, right? You right. Know what I'm but he never looks himself. Which, why in you the got eye. Steve McQueen's name in your mouth talking about this? Yeah, you don't ever. Kenneth Johnson don't never ever have Steve McQueen right. either the actor, the late actor, or the the uh, Academy Award nominated right. act director. Right. Never have their names in your mouth, dog. Right. I mean that's fair. That's fair. That is fair. Like, I'm cutting him slack because, you know, again, they told him he had this quick turnaround. But at the end of the day, it's his film. Yeah. You're right. I'm Look, 
I just really liked V and I really liked Alien Nation. So I like his work. Oh, and he created the Bionic Woman. He didn't create the Bionic Woman. I thought he created the Bionic Woman. He didn't. Uh, please. Is that Glenn Larson? I guess that would be Glenn Larson who created he, it. Create the Bionic Woman. I think he created the Bionic Woman. I'm going to tell you exactly what this punk did. Why would um, that to be a punk? I don't know why. Uh, he's an American screenwriter. Because, he, because I don't like that he like threw other people under the bus like that. So I don't, I don't dig that. Um... Bionic Woman from 1976 to 78. Let's see. Who was it? Okay. It was created by Kenneth Johnson. Okay. All right. That's well done. Right. Yeah, well. All right. And you know, that wasn't the greatest show. And, and, and the Bionic Woman. He already had the $6 million man. Right, right. So he basically said, hey, let's make a $6 million woman. Puh, puh, he created it. Get and, the heck out of here. And no. since she was a woman, she should have the power of super hearing. Because, you know, women be listening and eavesdropping and stuff. Yeah. So, no. So, I'm not giving them. <laughs> I mean, he did create it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Alienation What was was my jam now. The television show. I like the movie, too. But the television show was quietly my jam. Mm, yeah, okay. Oh, you know you like Alienation. I, I remember not being bad. No, you liked Alienation. I remember. You liked it. I remember. You liked it. He also created the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk series. The 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 uh, Lou Ferrigno. Oh well, there you go. Well, I remember his interview about that, and he talked about how he purposefully wanted to stay away from all of the comic book tropes in yeah. that, in that series, and basically created the Fugitive. I, I mean, yeah, but the Incredible Hulk was amazing. It wasn't amazing. It was a good it, show. It, it was, was not amazing. It was incredible. It was not incredible. It, the first two seasons of The Incredible Hulk. It was Hulk, not incredible. It was good TV. It was not incredible. I would put it up against any of the quality shows. The uh, first couple of seasons? Yeah. 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 I'm, the I'm Incredible Hulk was good, solid. And we talked about this. It was basically an anthology. Well, where Bill Bixby was, it was the yeah, recur- he was a fugitive. Yeah, he, he was he, he, a right. fugitive or it's a, right. it's a fugitive guy on the road. Exactly, right. it's a yeah. fugitive. I think it was better than the fugitive because I think Bill Bixby what? is a better. I think Bill Bixby is a better actor. I think Bill Bixby is a better actor than David Jansen. Yes, I didn't even remember his name, and certainly Keith Carradine. Well, in Kung Fu. I'll say it's a better. I'll say it was. I'll say it was on par with Kung Fu. Look, I'll say it was on par with Kung of Fu. those shows and, and, of okay. those kind of loosely, con, not even loose, basically a connected anthology shows. Mm-hmm. Which one was better than The Incredible Hulk? Again, the first two or three seasons. I'll give you. I'll give you that it's probably better than Kung Fu because Bill Bixby is a better actor than Keith Carradine. Yes, I'll give you that. I don't know if I want to give you. Um, the Fugitive. The Fugitive. I don't because David Jansen, while not being the, the greatest actor, he was not. I think he was good. He was. I've watched a lot of that uh, that show. Mm-hmm. And when's he, the last time you watched it? I mean, it's a show from the '60s. It's a slow show. Okay, it's a slow show. But it's so was was the last time you watched The Incredible Hulk? Last year. I mean, it's it look. It's, Look, I'm I, telling you. I'm not. I'm not. I don't I'm, know if I can put it. I'm telling you. With na- the, uh, name me another one of them shows. The fugitive. Name me another. Like you, we old fugitive. But I'm just look at the work. 
I don't know where I can put it with you. All right. I'm having a hard time coming up with For them. the record, this is a much more interesting conversation than <laughs> Yes, I wish we had led with I this I wish we had led with the best loose anthology with that recurring character. We talked about it. That was my favorite joint. You have an anthology and like two or three episodes a season were mythology episodes. So like, is he going to get cured? Or what's his name catches him? Um, yeah, the Peter, uh, the uh, reporter. Oh man, you, you, oh, the Incredible Hulk was was was. Oh man, the, the Fugitive oh. had uh, had all of those same things oh, too. The Incredible Hulk was amazing. It, it, it wasn't amazing. It was it a good was, show. Amazing puts it like at one of the greatest shows of all time. No, it doesn't. It's, it's no. just an amazing show. Amazing sounds a, a lot better than a very good show. And I think it was a very good show. Oh, here we go with the hairs. We're splitting. Well, I don't think this is necessarily splitting the hair. I don't Look. think. I don't think it was like you know, super, super. You know, like like all that. I mean, I think it was okay. I think it was good. I think it was a good show. Don't, don't get me. Don't you get love me wrong. The Incredible Hulk. Don't front. You, you know just, what? I don't own the Incredible Hulk. You just mad at Kenneth Johnson right now, which I understand. But the man put in work. Steel was not one of the projects that he put in work. Anyway, <clears throat> would you recommend that people see Steel? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like, not even as an anatomy lesson. Not, like, not even as a, oh, this could have possibly. Because there are no redeeming values to have this, this version of it. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Like, everything that I'm saying could have happened, mm -hmm. I'm basically saying it could have been better if they would have done better. Right. And you can't really quantify that from what we have. I'm I'm, you know, again, I'm basing this on Kenneth Johnson's resume and Shaquille O'Neal's charisma. But yeah, it's 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 terrible. It's it's terrible and, and again I think it is it is soulless. And I think a bunch of people cash checks and 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 now it's this weird curio. It's it's a punchline. Mm -hmm. Like steel is a punchline. So no, I wouldn't recommend this at all. Me neither. I would not recommend it either, ladies and gentlemen. But don't let us be your judge. Oh no, please let us be your judge. Maybe you want to be a Shaquille O'Neal completist. Have you ever seen Kazam? No. Me either. Like I realized when they said like that he had first of all, I had forgotten all about blue chips. Yeah, me too. So when they said he had made three films, I was like, how's Shaquille O'Neal? make three movies and i've seen the, the 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 shots of him in the genie outfit well i saw the trailer to exam which was enough which I, I have to respectfully disagree with you i think it's more realistic that he's a seven foot tall genie than a seven foot tall weapons designer point there so the, the weapons designing part <laughs> yeah yeah, he, he never looks real comfortable. He doesn't. When he with, with the technical jargon. <laughs> with the technical jargon. With the technical jargon. And mind you, they don't put him in a laboratory. They put him no. in a junkyard. <laughs> so, there you go. They knew what they were working with. No, Shaquille O'Neal with a lab coat. <laughs> a big Bruh. lab coat. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we reveal what we will be doing on the very special fifth week oh, dear God. of Mother May I Have Another, we oh, invite you dear God. to uh, follow us on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 
at Mission. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. All your thoughts and concerns. Michaud is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Um, we really like to hear from each and every one of you. Uh, give us a ranking and a rating on the podcast catcher of your choice, whether it be iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Overcast, uh, 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 um, where else are we? Pandora, Spotify, wherever you listen to our show, give us a, ra- a ranking and a rating um, and a review. Reviews really help. Yeah. We lo- people love seeing reviews because that's what um, really um, moves us up in the charts and helps people find our show so we really appreciate if you could do that for us as well we want to let you know that in july on july 13th we the michelle mission will be live at the blurred city con 2019 in beautiful brooklyn new york doing a live podcast as we will be reviewing Men in Black, starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. And our very special guest for that review will be Hulu's Marvel's Runaways star, Ryan Sands. Yes, sir. Can't wait. We've been looking for opportunities to sit down with Ryan for a while. And we're very happy to be doing it in Brooklyn to review Men in Black, go to um, our website at michomission.com, look under events, and you'll find information about that very cool live event coming your way in July. Okay? Um, And just to let you know, our show is available as a radio show in a very edited form every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 Philly Cam People Power Media on your FM dial here in Philadelphia and New Jersey. And you can spend your Monday mornings with the Michelle Mission at 9 a.m. every Monday on 91.7 FM WKDU the voice of Drexel University and the Me Show Mission are proud members of the Podglomerate podcast family, Podglomerate, a curated home for great podcasts for your listening uh, pleasure. All right. All right. Next week, Vince. Oh, Lord. Week five. It's supposed to be four weeks in a month. It's supposed to be four weeks in a month. But lo and behold, May has given us a fifth week. A fifth week. And I felt like, okay, well, it's the fifth week. And we are comic book heads. We are. And usually months that have five weeks in them. Yeah. In the world of comic books, they do something special. Oh, my God. So I wanted to do something special for our fifth week, uh. even though we're in the world of Mother May I. Uh. So I'm stepping out of the realm of feature films. Oh, my God. And once again, oh. as we did one time. Uh, oh, what, oh, what are we doing? Oh we are God. dipping into into the world of made-for-TV oh, films. Oh, Lord. And considering that we've had so much fun. Help me, Black Movie Jesus. With Who's the Man, Who's... a hip-hop whodunit. Oh, oh, where are you going? And then we did rapping. Oh, my God. What are you about to do? Which pick? was like a hip-hop fairy tale. Oh, no. Don't do it. I felt don't that do it was it. only proper. Don't do it. That we do 
the one and only don't hip opera. Oh, not Carmen Jones. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. it's Carmen colon a hip opera from 2001, oh, the MTV movie starring Beyonce, Beyonce Knowles and Mackay Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Yeah. No man can resist her. Based on Bisset's classic opera and its African-American musical counterpart, Carmen Jones, which we also reviewed, starring the immortal Dorothy Dandridge. Right, right, right. Well, you know what? I just figured out how I'm going to enjoy this episode. Throughout the episode, I'm going to ask you in various scenes, is Mackay Pfeiffer better than... Well, I just forgot his name. Harry Belafonte. Than Harry Belafonte. I'll say, Lynn, is Mackay Pfeiffer better than Harry Belafonte? And then I'll watch your head explode. Well, I've seen evidence that Mackay Pfeiffer is a better actor than Harry Belafonte. It was not in this film. Well, we shall see. <laughs> I have never seen Carmen, a hip hopper. A hip hopper. I had never had a reason to watch uh, yeah. it. Carmen, a hip Until now. Until so now. So thank you, Show Mission. For giving me a reason. Give me a reason to watch Carmen. Colin, a hip opera. <laughs> Someone should be punched dead in the mouth <laughs> for saying we're going to call it a hip opera. I think we should call it a hip opera. Oh, no. Oh. 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 So I take it you're not looking forward to next week's... Uh, I really thought we were finished. I wish we were. thing is, this is actually what my wife said earlier, too. I said, yeah, we're doing the last one. She said, isn't there another week in May? And I said, come on, stop. <laughs> Trust me, Vince. As we discussed before the, the mics went on, I will gladly not do a show next week. <laughs> <laughs> because I have a very pressing engagement... <laughs> For next Tuesday, no, I, I am foregoing. From what I understand, we're doing God's work. <laughs> God don't like ugly. Uh. <laughs> so that's next week, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here on the show mission. <laughs> Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.